This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Good morning, River Church. It's so good to be back here with you guys today. We are continuing in walk through Mark based on uh, the book entitled Jesus. The last week we saw as Jesus showed us the power of waiting and the power of trusting even when maybe we don't have all the facts, even when maybe we don't understand everything that's happening around us. He showed us the power of what it means to trust in him and to put our faith in him because he loves us and he cares about our good and his heart is for us and when we have a God like that we can trust him this week is going to be a little bit different this week we're going to look at Jesus as he gets into a little bit of a fight that sounds like fun huh he's going to get into a little bit of a fight a little bit of conflict with the Pharisees and if you guys remember uh, these characters called the Pharisees I talked about them a few weeks ago briefly and they're kind of the just leaders of the community. And so uh, the Pharisees are these guys that Jesus is kind of constantly upsetting, and they just they, they tend to just find reason after reason after reason to get upset with Jesus. In their minds, okay, they kind of see Jesus this new king, and uh, they don't really like him. And they see as he's becoming immensely popular and as he's gaining more followers and more attention, what they don't like is it's threatening them because they're losing some of their influence and they're losing some of their And so what that does is it upsets their pride. Am I, am I cutting out on you guys? All right, I'm going to grab this microphone back here. Check, check. All right, y'all just want me to start from the beginning? Just kidding. You're like, no, 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 no. So as these guys are beginning to lose their influence and, and their power, they begin to get upset with Jesus because they don't like it, right? And the reason they don't like it is this thing called pride. And so it's, it's kind of sad to look at and see that one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why these Pharisees miss Jesus is because of, because of their own egos. And I think that'll preach on its own, won't it? Yeah. Amen. Right. And so so what they do is they begin to do what amounts to their day's version of getting on Facebook and Twitter and taking cheap, cheap shots at Jesus. They start trying to figure out ways to to discredit him. And the last time we talked about the Pharisees, uh, it was because they didn't like the fact uh, or they didn't like the way that Jesus's disciples did the Sabbath. And so they got upset about them, and the Bible says as they left, they literally, they joined up with their political enemies, which is amazing, two different areas of the political realm working together, crazy idea, but they they worked together to try to get Jesus killed. (laughs) Today, we're going to see Jesus address the Pharisees in one of the most confrontational ways we've seen to this point in the book of Mark. As a matter of fact, he's even going to call them a name. He's going to call them hypocrites, and it all starts with the conflict about washing hands. Let's check it out here in Mark chapter 7. It says, The Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come uh, from Jerusalem gathered around him, and they observed that some of the disciples were eating bread with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they gave their hands a ceremonial washing, keeping the tradition 
of the elders. And, and we're going to talk a lot about tradition. There's a lot about tradition with these guys that's important to them. It says, when they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they have washed. And there are many other customs they have received and keep, like the washing of cups, pitchers, kettles, and dining couches. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked them, why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating bread with ceremonially unclean hands? To quote Alan Iverson, you talking about washing hands? Washing hands, not the game. Washing hands? It seems like a weird thing that we're talking about this today, um, but, but I don't want to overlook it. I mean, washing hands is important, right? It's flu season. There's this coronavirus out there trying to get to us, right? Like, I'm not touching you. I'm not shaking your hand unless you wash your hands. So wash your hands, okay? But, but I don't think it's a sin issue. And the Pharisees are acting like this is a sin issue, right? Now, to understand why they're so uptight about this, we need some context because context matters. And if you were here last week, this is actually the second week in a row that we're talking about this idea of being unclean, right? And, and what we're going to see is that the idea behind it isn't necessarily a bad idea, uh, uh, but it's turned into something kind of bad. And, and for the Pharisees, we're going to see that this idea of cleanliness isn't a matter of hygiene, but it's a matter of purity. They have this tradition of doing outward things or things on the outside so that in their minds they would become pure before God. Outward cleanliness representing uh, inside purity. So, for example, if you touch a dead animal or you have a skin disease or like last week when we talked about the woman with the blood issue or bodily, any type of bodily discharge or a myriad of other things, you were considered unclean. Therefore, if you're unclean, then you're not allowed to enter into the temple and worship God, worship God with all of the congregation, with all of the people of God. So if you're unclean, you can't come in the temple. Now, could you imagine if we had somebody outside checking people before they came in church? You clean? You wash those hands today? Actually, some of you are like, yes, that would be great. Yeah, the flu is crazy right now. Yeah, please do that. Just sanitizer, you know, take some sanitizer as you're walking in. As a matter of fact, actually, where's our ushers at? We have some we're going to pass around now. Um, so and if you became unclean, the idea was now there's these practices that you have to do to become clean. And one of those included the ceremonial washing of the hands that the Pharisees are talking about here. And they get upset because in their view, what they see is that Jesus' disciples are disrespecting the tradition, meaning in their minds that Jesus' disciples don't care about being pure before God. Now, I know today we read that and we're like, Mike, that's, that's so silly. That's so crazy. Like washing your hands obviously doesn't make you pure before God. But I would say we have our own versions of this, don't we? Right? Like, like, hey, you better not wear your hat in the church service. That's disrespecting Jesus, right? Any hats on here today? Right? Where's he? There he is. Gotcha, Eugene. Sinner, sinner. No coffee in the church service. Might spill, right? Yeah. The pastor better wear a suit. None of them sissy boy skinny jeans, right? Right? Preach, preach, preacher, right? Somebody's like, yeah, I've been sending emails about that for a while. Glad you finally got the message. (laughs) 
And I know I'm making fun of those things, and, and obviously we're a little bit more laid back than that at the river, but I would bet if we were careful, maybe we even have a few of those things here at the river that we do, right? I, hopefully not, right? Hopefully not. And as we grow in age, hopefully that doesn't develop and become a part of our church, but you could see how that would easily see, seep in, right? And what we're going to see Jesus say today, in essence, is, hey, Pharisees, that's a dumb rule. But it's not a dumb rule for the reasons that you think it is, right? Because the idea of being pure and clean before God in worship isn't necessarily a bad idea. It's about wanting, as you come before God, being pure before him, having a clean heart, having a pure heart. Um, uh, and, and this is kind of the whole idea behind it. And what the Pharisees are saying is, hey, we're dirty, we're dirty when we go before God, so we've got to do something. Something has to happen so that I can be clean when I go before God, so that I can be pure when I come before God. And Jesus is going to absolutely agree and say, yeah, that's right. You are dirty, but not for the reasons that you think. Not for the reasons that you think. Verse 6, it says, he answered them. Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites. Woo! Jesus coming in hot, isn't he? Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites. As it is written, the people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And this line, man, I pray to God it would never be said about the River Church. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. It says, abandoning the command of God, you hold on to the human tradition. And he also said to them, you have a fine way of invalidating God's commands in order to set up your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is Corban, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many other similar things. Now, now we're reading this, and, and sometimes we read it, we don't really understand all the context, but Jesus is coming in hot at the Pharisees today. He, he's, he's basically insulting them and calling them moral hypocrites, and then he uses an example of how they treat their families to call them out. And this is something that, that it would be easy to miss if we're not paying attention, but he calls them out how they treat their families, and, and you say, well, how, Mike? Thank, thanks, Ryan. Um, you see... <laughs> He points to the law of Moses, which is the Ten Commandments. And he says, in the Ten Commandments, it tells you, honor your father and mother. And one of the ways in this culture that they would use, they would honor their father and mother, is that as they aged, as they got older, the, the, the children would help provide for their mom and dad. They would provide a place to live for their mom and dad. They would help take care of their mom and dad, right? They would make sure that they were, that they were well taken care of, right? And so that's, that's kind of the idea, and we still do that sometimes, hopefully, in our culture today. Like, I remember when I was a kid, my mom used to ask me, she'd say, Mike, when I get old and you have a family and kids, are you going to let me come and live with you? And I would tell her, Mom, as long as you're nice to me, I will buy you the best nursing home money can buy, right? I was like, I'll put you in the best nursing home money can buy, as long as you're nice to me, right? And then we'll start talking about, you know, some other options, right? But this is the idea that we see in many cultures, and hopefully, right, hopefully, because, I mean, come on, caring for your mom and dad when they can't care for themselves, I mean, they changed our diapers, it's the least we could do for them, right? Like, return the favor, right? But what's happening is the Jewish Pharisees are sometimes getting out of this by citing this out clause called Corbin. And again, it's another good idea that's manipulated for bad use. 
And you say, what's this Corbin? Well, it's this idea or formula that you could set aside property or money and call it holy or, or ordain it as Corbin as, as this is for God. So this property is for God. This property, this money is for God, which means no one else can use it except for the purpose of God. And so what the Pharisees would do is they'd use this rule as a way to set up their own finances so they could get out of caring for their parents. Because they would go, well, we're holy men, we're priests, we're Pharisees, we're, we're all of our money, everything I have, all of my possessions belongs to God. Sorry, Mom, can't use it for you. Sorry, Dad, can't use it for you, right? You, y'all can't live in my house, right? It, it's, it was essentially an ancient tax shelter, right? Actually, you know what? It's tax season, isn't it? You, I, oh, holy, you think I work with the U.S. government, right? I am holy, Pastor Michael Gerald, right? I, I cannot pay you my taxes. All of my money is mine, right? No, it's not going to work. And what Jesus says is, what you guys are doing is wicked. And he calls them out. And he says, you're washing your hands, thinking that's going to make you pure before God, but your hearts are evil. And then he does this thing. He calls everybody in. He's like, all right, come here, come here, come here. I'm going to make a profound statement. And he says, verse 14, he says, summoning the crowd again. So he speaks to the whole crowd that's there. And you can kind of see why the Pharisees don't like Jesus, because there's a whole crowd of people, and it just called them a bunch of immoral hypocrites in front of everybody, right? Like, you probably wouldn't like that person. He says, listen to me, all of you, and understand nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him, right? What Jesus just said is you're not made unclean or unpure by not washing your hands. You're not made unclean or unpure by what you eat. It's what comes out of you that makes you unclean. I know some of you are thinking like, so I can eat carbs? That's okay, right? right? I don't know. You know, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. But Jesus is saying, if what's on the inside isn't clean, then what we do on the outside will always be dirty. Like, imagine this, if you buy a house and you renovate it and you paint the walls and you, you know, go do your best Joanna Gaines impersonation and you just, you know, it's on HGT, it's like this beautiful home, but the inside's full of black mold inside the walls, what's going to happen is you're going to die. <laughs> you can paint that thing up as pretty as you want. It can be the coolest, the envy of the block, right? But if inside the walls you got mold, then that's a dangerous place to live. And what Jesus is trying to say to us is at our natural state, who we are without Jesus is unclean. It's dirty. And we can pretend that we aren't. We, we can pretend like whatever our version here in 2020, whatever our version of washing hands is, he's like, you can do it, but it's not going to make you clean. You're dirty. And I think that on a lot of levels, many of us feel that. We don't want to admit it, but we feel that we aren't good enough. We feel this idea that I, I have to prove myself or earn it or be worthy enough because we feel that, in, that dirtiness inside of us or whatever, however you want to call it, and, and we try to, well, it creates guilt in us, and I think it creates shame in us, and it's there, and we go, what can I do to make this go away? What can I do to make this disappear? And, and maybe you're going, I don't know, Mike. I don't think most people are like that. Well, I would say then why is the self-help book industry like a billion-dollar industry? Why is or why are gym memberships like made up by people that never go to the gym? Like why are gyms literally like making money on people who never show up? Why? Because we, I got to do something. I got to change. I got to feel better about myself. I got to do something about myself. And I think 
secretly we feel this and we don't feel good enough. And we look at our hands and we see the dirt and we think, if I can just look good on the outside, if I can be enough on the outside, if I can perform enough on the outside, if I can be successful enough on the outside, then maybe that will fix the brokenness that I feel on the inside. And Jesus is going to speak straight to that today. He says in verse 17 here, when he went into the house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him about the parable. So he's talking to the crowd and the Pharisees, and they go inside the house, and the disciples are like, we don't get it either, Jesus, help us. You ever feel like that? Like, yeah, a lot on Sunday mornings when I leave. Like, did you understand that? I don't know what you're talking about. He said to them, are you so lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a person from the outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into the stomach and is eliminated. And this is interesting because Jesus gets really literal when it comes to food. And what he says is, literally, when you eat food, it never touches your heart. It goes in, stomach, and then eliminated. And you know what that means, right? All the way through. I mean, that's what he's saying. And his point is, and especially in the Greek world, the heart was the center of the human core. The heart represented the soul. The heart represented the core of who you are. And he's saying, what goes in your mouth, it never touches who you are. It goes right past it and out. He says, what you eat never affects your heart. And Mark here makes a comment, and he says, thus he declared all foods clean. Verse 20, and it says, when he came, what, what comes out of a person, what defiles him, for within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, thieves, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. What Jesus is saying is that eating the food doesn't matter because it's what's in your heart that makes you dirty. And Jesus says, what's wrong with our world, what's wrong with us, the reason for war, the reason for divided countries, the, the reason for broken relationships, the reason for hate, the reason for all these things that we feel is because of what comes inside of us, what's inside of us, and it's sin. It's when our, what's in our hearts. And Jesus is saying, you can't fix sin by being real good and doing on the outside. What has to happen is the heart has to be changed. That no matter how hard we try, the external solutions will never work. And Jesus is telling us right here, he's saying it's impossible. Because in our hearts is this thing called sin, and sin corrupts absolutely. Sin ruins the whole picture. And he says we can try really hard to be good on our own, to feel good enough on our own. But if our heart isn't changed, then you're never actually changed. What he's saying is, we need an inside-out transformation, not an outside-in transformation. Something has to be done about the sin. We feel the weight of our past guilt, the shame of it, right? We feel, we feel it on us, and we try to work our way to better ourselves, but there's, the shame's still there. If Jesus doesn't change it, if Jesus doesn't fix it, it's still there. And what we need is something that we aren't capable of doing ourselves, an inside-out cleaning. We need the sin removed, the guilt removed, the shame removed. We need to be made clean. And Jesus says, what you eat, watch this, you can't do that. But what Jesus does say here is, but I can do that. That's a great place for an amen, everybody.
and you say, well, how did he say that? Let's go back to something that Mark actually commented on here. It says, verse 8, he says, and he said to them, are you also lacking in understanding? Do you realize that nothing uh, going into a person from the outside can defile him, for it doesn't go into his heart, but into the stomach as, and, and is eliminated? And then Mark makes this comment here. He says, thus he declared all foods clean. And you're going, what? That's, a, that's just a throwaway statement, Mike. How is Jesus saying something from that? Remember the clean and the unclean rules that we've been talking about this whole time is all about being made pure before God. So the whole idea is what goes in, trying to be pure, and, and like if there's, a, if there's this way to be pure before God, they're going to say, oh, we're not going to eat certain foods so that we can stay clean. Uh, and Jesus is saying, no, that doesn't work. As a matter of fact, I have the power, I have the ability to make all the food clean. <laughs> and what he's actually saying there is something even deeper that we miss if we're not paying close attention to. He's saying, I have the ability to make all food clean because I am about to be, have the ability to make you clean. I'm about to do something that will make a way for you to be clean completely, to be set free from the shame, the guilt, the sin, from trying to earn your own goodness, that you can rest in me and know that I am enough that I can make you clean. And this is actually an enormous statement that Jesus is making. You go, how? What's he, what's he saying? In the book, Jesus the King, the series again that we're kind of, the series is kind of based on, uh, Tim Keller tells this powerful story that he heard. It was in a sermon that he heard, and I want to share it with you because it was so impactful to me. It comes out of Zechariah 3. And uh, Zechariah is a prophet in the Old Testament. And so this, I, it comes out of Zechariah 3. And in this story in Zechariah 3, Zechariah has this vision. And in this vision, God, God shows him this incredible vision. And what happens is he's transported uh, to the center of the temple where he sees Joshua. He says, the Lord showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the Lord. And if you were here back in August, we actually walked through the temple and talked about the different parts of the temple. But in the temple where the Jewish people worship, there's the outer court, there's the inner court, and then there's this place called the Holy of Holies. And you kind of walk, as you walk into it, it goes deeper and deeper into the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies is surrounded by this thick veil, and it was inside the Holy of Holies is where the Ark of the Covenant was placed. Y'all know the Ark of the Covenant, right? Indiana Jones, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like the Bible? No, Indiana Jones. That's how I know. Me too. But every year in the Holy of Holies, one person on a particular day was allowed to come in uh, into the presence of God. It was the high priest of Israel. This is Joshua, which he sees. And so as Zechariah is watching his vision, he sees Joshua standing before the Lord on the Day of Atonement. And the Day of Atonement is this enormous day in Israel. I mean, talking Fourth of July, Christmas, Easter, like this is a big day. You guys understand what I'm saying? This is a big day. And to understand why this is such a big day, I want to give you, again, some context. And so what's going on is before the Day of Atonement, there was a lot of preparation that had to happen. And, and the reason they did all this preparation is because they wanted the Jewish people, it comes back to this idea of being clean before God. And so they wanted this priest, to, as he's going to go into the presence of God, they want him to be pure and clean before God. So they do all these things to try to make him clean. The first thing they do is uh, the week before, he's kind of put in seclusion, so he's not really around anybody else. And then, as he's in this seclusion, before, the, before uh, well, they, they don't want him to eat any unclean food, touch anything unclean. 
Uh, and then the night before, uh, he begins to wash his body, purify his heart. And the night before, he stays up all night long in the temple. He goes in the temple, stays up all night long, praying, reading the scriptures, asking God to make him clean, asking God to purify him. And then the next day on the, on the Day of Atonement, the priest would bathe literally from head to toe, completely wash his body. He would dress in a white linen and he would go into the Holy of Holies where he would offer up an animal sacrifice to God to pay for the penalty and pay for the atonement of his sins. So he'd come and he'd sacrifice this animal. He'd say, God, please forgive my sins. Please accept this sacrifice, this blood sacrifice, and forgive me of my sins that I've done wrong against you. And then after he does that, he would go back outside. He would bathe from head to toe once again. He would dress in completely new white linens, and he would walk back in, and he would perform a second animal sacrifice. And this one was for the atonement of all of the priests of Israel. So he would sacrifice this animal and say, God, please forgive the sins of, the, of all the priests of Israel. Please accept this sacrifice and forgive all the sins of all the priests of Israel. But he wasn't done. Then for a third time, the priest would go out and he would bathe from head to toe. For a third time, he would get dressed in white for a third time. And he would go back in for a third time and sacrifice the animal for a third time for all of the sins of the people of Israel. And he would say, God, please accept this sacrifice and forgive the sins of all of Israel. This is a pretty powerful scene, right? All of this as it's happening is done in public. They don't go into the Holy of Holies, but they watch as the priest goes in with the lamb dressed in white, and then comes back out bloodied, and they watch as he goes behind a screen and bathes and gets dressed in white and goes back in, and all of Israel's watching as he does this. Again, this is a huge day. They're watching as he does this, and they're literally cheering him on, clapping for him, because this is a big deal. He's going before God on their behalf and asking God to forgive their sins. And so they're clapping and they're cheering him on as he goes in. And that, this is what makes Zechariah's vision so incredibly powerful. Because in this vision, he sees Joshua, the high priest, standing before God, performing the ceremony. And remember, he's done all these things to be clean, all these things to be pure, all these things to be good before God. But as he sees Joshua, the high priest, standing before God, instead of being clean and dressed in all white, Zechariah sees Joshua covered in feces. excrement and he's looking at this and he's going this no no this can't be pot no there's no way they would never allow him to walk in like this they would never allow him to come before God like this he's filthy he's disgusting he's defiled right? they would never 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 allow this and what God is showing Zechariah what God is showing us today is that Zechariah in spite of all their effort to be pure, good, moral, to clean themselves up from the outside. God sees the heart. And the heart was still full of filth. And he says, Zechariah, that all the morality and the good works and the cleaning ourselves up, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it doesn't come from a transformed heart. And seeing this, Zechariah realizes that no matter what we do, we can never clean ourselves up good enough to go before God. 
because even at our best, we're still dirty. And he's about to become distraught. I mean, can you imagine all of this effort going into trying to be clean and all of this effort trying to go into be pure? <laughs> but before he loses hope, he hears these words in Zechariah 3. God says to Joshua, take off your filthy clothes. I have taken away your sin and I will put white garments on you. Listen. I am going to bring my servant, the branch, and I will remove the sin of this land on a single day. Amen? He says to Zechariah, what you can't do for yourself, I'm going to do for you. And then centuries later, another Joshua shows up. Do you know that Jesus and Joshua are the same name. In, in, in Aramaic, Greek, and Hebrew, Jesus and Joshua are the same name. Centuries later, another Joshua shows up, and Jesus is literally talking, pointing back to this as he talks to us and says, you can't clean yourselves up on the outside. It's not washing your hands that makes you clean. It's not eating the right food that makes you clean. It's not trying to do all the right things to make you clean. The only thing that will make you clean before God is me. It's me, it's me, it's me, it's me. And he says, I will make you clean. And then a little while later, after he says this, Jesus begins to prepare for the cross. And the night before he goes to the cross, he doesn't sleep. Instead, he stays up and he prays and he prepares. And then he's arrested. And instead of being cheered on his way to the cross, he's, he's spit at and mocked and betrayed. And instead of being clothed in beautiful linen as he heads to the cross, he's stripped naked and he's beaten and he's killed. Why? So that we can be made clean. Amen? A true inside-out transformation. A true inside-out cleansing of the heart. Forgiveness of sin. Salvation. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. What this says is he did this for us so that we can come before God and be pure. He did it for us. River Church, Jesus was crucified so that you can be made clean. And so if this is you today, man, stop trying to earn it on your own. Stop trying to do it on your own. Accept what has been done on your behalf. You live in trying to prove you're good enough, it's not going to happen. You live in trying to get over a failure because you've messed up, trying to get over guilt. Are you trying to clean yourself up on your own? Are you trying to do and do and do so that you can be clean enough to deserve God? Listen to me, outside in won't work, only inside out. You have to come to the one who can heal. You have to come to the one who can set you free. 
you have to come to the one who says, I make you clean. That's only Jesus. I know today in a room full of people, you're probably all in different places. And I know that this probably means something different for every different person in here. say is maybe you're in here today and you're not actually a Christian. Or, or let's do this. Maybe you're in here today and you are a Christian and you're hearing me say this and you're going, but Mike, I've still been struggling with some sin in my heart. I've still been struggling with some sin. I've still been feeling that, walking in that. You need to ask forgiveness today. You, you need to ask that God would set you free today from whatever that is that's entangling you. That you would stop pretending to be great on the outside while struggling on the inside. That he would remove that sin, that shame, that guilt, whatever it is from the inside out, and that he would set you free. And maybe you're in here today and you're hearing me talk about this and you're going, Mike, I've been forgiven of my sin, but I don't feel clean. I've been, I've been forgiven. I, there's no, I'm not struggling necessarily with any sin, but I don't, I don't feel pure. I feel guilt and I feel shame over some of the stuff I've done. Today, you need Jesus to remind you that he wipes the slate clean. And then when he says, I make you clean, he means with every fiber of who he is because he's the only one who can do it. And when he says, I make you clean, you are clean. He gets the final say. Maybe you need to come to him today and say, Jesus, I need you to just remove the shame, remove the guilt that I'm feeling, God. I need you to remind me, remind me, like, I know I'm supposed to know it up here, but I don't feel it in here, in my core, in my heart, my soul. Remove it from me, Jesus. Set me free of it, Jesus. And maybe you're walking in here today and you're like, man, Mike, I thought I was being a Christian, but I just thought that, you know, if I come to church and join a community group and tithe real good and, like, serve on the dream team, those things would make me clean. And I, and I thought if I did those, then God would be like, cool, you can come in the club, right? No, 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 no. You need to come to God, ask him to forgive your sin, make him the Lord and king of your life, and then you give everything you have to him. And follow him. Be truly set free. Stop trying to, because all you're doing, man, if that's what you're doing, all, all you're doing is like their version of washing your hands. Look, community groups, dream team, church, all those things are important and vital, and they help you in your walk with Jesus. They help you grow closer to Jesus. But they, but you got to know Jesus first. And so if that's you today, man, I encourage you with all that I am, give, give your heart to Jesus today. Say, God, I want you to make me clean. I want you to make me pure. I want to be yours today, Jesus. And so the band's going to come, and we're going to sing and take communion. And whatever you need to do with Jesus, you do it. You hear me? Do you hear me? Like, stand up with me, River Church. This morning, we're going to have communion available and, and all that good stuff like usual. But I would encourage you today, don't rush, right? We can take our time. Don't feel like, oh, I've got to go down, get my communion, and get back. And No, 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 no. What you need to do with Jesus, you do today, all right? You can come get communion. We'll have, we have plenty of wafers, all right? 
you take your time, you talk to Jesus, you deal with Jesus, you get, you wrestle with him, you get what you need, right? It's a, it's a special day today. You get what you need. Whether that's freedom from sin, whether it's freedom from shame, whether it's salvation, you wrestle with that today. You talk with him about that today. You hear me? God, I love you. Thank you for who you are, Jesus. I pray that you save souls in this room today, God. I pray that you set people free from shame and guilt in this place today, God. Father, I pray that you set people free from sin in this place today, Jesus. God, thank you so much for what you did for us on the cross. Lord, we give it to you today, God. We worship you today, Jesus. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.